Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And of course, as we all know, the big talk of the town in the NFL is cut day. It is looming large. It will be here tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. is the deadline for NFL teams to shed their rosters from 90 to 53 men, their final regular season rosters. And the Giants have already started making some of their cuts. We discussed that in yesterday's episode. Go check that out if you haven't seen that. Of course, Bryce Ford Wheaton placed on the injured reserve. Colin Johnson was a surprise cut early on in the first wave of cuts, but today we're going to be going over our predictions for the final 53-man roster. Now, Alex and I have pretty similar rosters, but a few key differences that we're going to dive into in this episode, but before we do all that, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode, subscribe to the channel if you are new, ring the bell so you don't miss an episode, and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review, and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend and what are your thoughts on the Giants 53-man roster I'm doing good guys now we have tomorrow until 4 p.m. as you mentioned uh, that's gonna be a lot of players coming off the books right so we have I think we're down to maybe like 75 maybe around 80 right now so there's gonna be about 30 players that go tomorrow so we'll be updating that that roster uh, pretty pretty quickly and pretty frequently um, now we're expecting Wandale Robinson to be activated off the physically unable to perform list, which should take up a roster spot in the receiver corps. Uh, so definitely don't forget about him. You know, Wandale, really good player, you know, coming off the ACL tears, recovered pretty fast. You know, week 11, he went down. He had, what, nine receptions on 13 targets for 100 yards in that game. He was looking like he was taking a big step forward and ready to be a prominent piece on this offense. Now the Giants said, you know what, he's coming back, but we still want to upgrade this entire unit. We still want to bring in Hyatt and, you know, bring back Slate and go get Waller, Paris Campbell. Uh, there's a lot of guys, new faces on this team, and they're seemingly gelling pretty well so far. So I'm excited to see what this offense can do. But Anthony, I'll let you kick it off with the quarterbacks here because ultimately, you know, when you're when you're looking at, the situation of Tommy DeVito, Tyrod Taylor, there's a lot of people out there saying, you know, who is going to be this QB2? Is it going to be Tyrod? Um, is it going to be DeVito? I personally go with the experience, you know, with Tyrod Taylor there, but I don't think that he's a long-term solution. I think that ultimately Tommy DeVito is going to be that backup next year when Tyrod Taylor's contract expires. But as I said yesterday, Tyrod Taylor happens to get injured very frequently, whether it's puncturing his lung, diving headfirst into a tackle, whatever you may you may think Tyrod Taylor is going to do or something's going to happen to him, he has really bad luck. So it's not a, a bad idea to have a third quarterback in the mix here, especially, but here's the reality. Like if Daniel Jones goes down, you're in you're in trouble. Like the, if Daniel Jones goes down, we're screwed. Just like any NFL team, their quarterback, if their starter goes down, you're in big trouble. Unless you're like the 49ers or like who knows the margins between Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. Um, you know, it should be interesting to see how the Giants kind of navigate this. But I think, you know, Tommy DeVito, no one really went after him uh, when they were when he, they were signing him as an undrafted free agent. If they put him on the practice squad. Is anyone really going to go grab him? You know, like PJ Walker's just was just cut. Is is he better than Tommy DeVito? Like, you know, there's an argument to say yes. Um, is someone really going to go steal Tommy? Like, that's that's the the conversation to have. So, um, you know, Anthony, when you're looking at this quarterback room, I imagine you have three quarterbacks on this roster, but it's certainly going to be interesting to see if the Giants make a surprising decision here. 
Regarding this quarterback situation with the New York Giants, I do think it's interesting to see you have three quarterbacks on the roster, Alex. I was a little surprised by that. But as we discussed in yesterday's episode, there is that new rule change in the NFL. Teams are allowed to have three quarterbacks active on game days. In the past, only two. Um, but now three quarterbacks active. It doesn't go. The third quarterback does not go against the active players on the roster on game days. So I think that there is a lot of added value in holding a third quarterback on the roster. The Giants traditionally like to roll with just two quarterbacks. That's what they did last season when they had some injuries at the position. They would just call someone up from the practice squad. But with Tommy DeVito playing the way that he did this preseason, I think it's worth giving him a roster spot to ensure that the Giants do have an emergency quarterback in case they have injuries to Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor. Now they have a third guy who's capable enough to go in and play some quality snaps for them. So I'm all in favor of DeVito Dimes getting a roster spot here. Maybe it's a little bit unlikely, but I do think that they should roll with three quarterbacks this season just due to, you know, kind of an injury history here. Not to say that Daniel Jones is injury prone, but he has missed time with injuries in the past, a season ending injury two years ago. And we know that Tyrod Taylor has had plenty of injuries throughout his career. So I think that having that added insurance by having a third quarterback on the roster, it is meaningful here, even though it does mean that the Giants are going to have to have pretty thin depth at another position. So let's go ahead and talk about the running back room, Alex, because this is one where we have a little bit of a disagreement. Of course, we both have Saquon Barkley and Eric Gray making the final 53-man roster, but behind them, I like Jay Sean Corbin making this roster. You like Matt Breda. Now, I like Corbin because young guy, a lot of potential there. I see the upside. I like the way he runs, and I think that Brian Dable has shown a serious interest in developing Corbin. But as you get the point that you're probably going to make, Corbin maybe could be better suited developing on the practice squad, and you might be better off going with a veteran Matt Breda. So I'll let you give your take on the Breda versus Corbin debate here. But also, I'm wondering, do you think that the Giants might want to hold on to both Corbin and Breda on the final roster? Or do you think four running backs is too much I I think four running backs is too much I mean look how often do you see like if Barkley were to go down like you don't really see the second running back get injured too like you don't need four running backs active I think it's a waste of a roster spot I think you're better off going with um, a position that's a little bit more important you know maybe like cornerback because we have rookies there we have a lot of youth there you may want to have some depth there instead of four running backs now the Breda versus Jay Sean Corbin I think most of you guys know what side I'm on I'm on the Breda side of this because I like the experience you know I, I think Jay Sean Corbin has some potential I think he's okay but there's a reason that they did not use Breda at all this offseason or rather this, this preseason, um, they just don't need to see what Breda is. They know what he is. Jay Sean Corbin is fighting for a roster on this team. Breda, I mean, the only way, the only reason that they didn't use Breda is because um, they, they just want to save the cash. They're going to cut him, but he's making like next to nothing anyway. I think it's like a veteran minimum deal. So you're really not saving much money. Look, the the, the fact is like if you put Jay Sean Corbin on the, on the practice squad, there's like a 95% chance nobody's picking him up. No one's going to steal him away from the Giants. So he's just going to be sitting there until you need him. Um, Eric Gray is a, a Brian Dable draft pick, is a Joe Shane draft pick. He is going to play over um, Jay Sean Corbin, like objectively. I think that's, that's my take personally. Um, I think that Eric Gray will probably get more opportunities over Breda too. I think they carry three running backs, but Brett is there for veteran, you know, kind of support for Matt, for uh, Eric Gray. I think he's there. He has some value in that regard. Um, but when I when you kind of look at this running back group as a whole, again, the drop-off between Saquon, Eric Gray, Matt Brett is significant. You know what I mean? The drop-off between Saquon and anyone else in that running back room is so big. Um, it's kind of like 
the, the margins there are so thin. Like, how much better is Jay Sean Corbin than Matt Breda? Like, I doubt anyone here could tell me, like, he's significantly better. They, maybe they're, like, the same. Uh, Breda had some really good runs last year. I don't think people re- remember. Like, he had some nice runs where he grinded out a couple extra yards. Um, he stepped in and made some plays when the Giants needed him. And he's a good receiver. Like, we really haven't even seen Jay Sean Corbin as a receiver. Um, Matt Breda can catch passes, get, in the, get involved in the screen game, and make some things happen there. So um, I'm, I'm definitely siding with Breda because of the veteran experience there. But that's not to say that Corbin isn't a fine player who can develop into something in the future. Like, if if we're being honest here, I think that next year would be Corbin's opportunity. Next year would be Corbin's chance to take over for Breda behind Saquon, given Saquon is even here in the future. And Corbin could be a nice, like, you know, change of pace back. You know, he's a little bit smaller, uh, can be a little receiving back out of the backfield. You know, there's some there's some value there, but... I just don't think he offers more than Matt Brad at this point in time. Uh, that's my take. But I know I know a lot of people are kind of split on this. I know a lot of people really like Jay Sean Corbin. So it's fair to say, like, if if it does go to him, I'm 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 fine with it. Like I'm just <laughs> it's it's so such a small portion of this roster. It doesn't matter much to me. Uh, but I but I do think like Brad offers just a little bit more value because of the experience, especially in those big moments if you need him to step in. Like he'll make the right choices. Corbin has no experience at the NFL level in a real action. Like that's where I'm a little concerned. If he has to get out of if he has to waste some clock, if he has to make something happen in a specific way, I'm, I'm a little concerned that he may forget about it. And, like, that's very, very specific. It's a very specific thing. But, like, if you're a backup running back, like, those are the type of situations you find yourselves in sometimes. So, um, and football's a game of inch, and so it's fair to consider those uh, moments where you have to be kind of on top of your stuff. But, you know, Anthony, that's kind of my take on the Jay Sean Corbin, uh, Matt Breda situation. I mean, it's a fair take, and listen, I, it's just a little difference in opinion here. I like the inexperience of Corbin. You like the experience of Breda, and that's really what it comes down to. So ultimately, I think we both agree the Giants will only hold three running backs. Holding anything more seems a little bit unnecessary, but let's move on to this wide receiver core because this is the big one, right? This is where we have a lot of question marks. Now, we know who the starters are. We know who's locked onto this roster. You've got Darius Slayton. You've got Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt, Paris Campbell. Those guys are locked on. Wandale Robinson, if activated off the pup list, he is locked into a final 53 man roster spot if he's not on off of the pup list in time for Tuesday tomorrow's deadline things do get really interesting with Wandale Robinson the Giants could hold only six receivers add another player at another position of need that's something to keep an eye on whether or not Robinson does get activated by tomorrow's deadline so keep that in mind that he is still on the pup list and not counting against the final 53 but the other two receivers that I like to make it Alex I think Cole Beasley makes it, and I think Sterling Shepard does sneak his way onto this roster. He will be the last receiver on the roster. I think Cole Beasley will get priority over him on the depth chart. He's shown a lot in preseason. He's shown a lot in training camp, but Shep has also looked really good throughout training camp, absolutely toasting some of the Giants' defensive backs. He looks like his prime self once again, but of course, the injury history is still there. He's not the player that he once was. We know all these things about Sterling Shepard, but I do think that the Giants are going to hold seven wide receivers on their roster. Now, I don't think they're going push all the way up to eight like we once thought they might. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton being placed on injured reserve kind of put that dream to bed in my opinion. But when you're looking at it, most teams hold six. Could they cut Shep or Beasley and just hold six? They absolutely could. It's a realistic possibility, but I think they go with seven. I think they hold both Cole Beasley and Sterling Shepard. Get those nice veterans from the slot, work inside, work outside, get those guys on this roster and hope that Wandale Robinson is healthy to play. But if Wandale Robinson isn't off the pup list, Alex, I think they hold six. Wandale Robinson misses the first six weeks of the season and Cole Beasley and Sterling Shepard do still make this roster. So those are my seven wide receivers. Who do you have in the receiving core if you have any differences and what are your thoughts on this unit going into the season my thoughts are it's a hell of a lot better than it was last year I mean guys last year we went to the season with 
I mean, we traded Tony. Obviously, uh, Kenny Galladay ended up being a non-factor. Shep gets injured really, sh- really short in- shortly into the season. Wandell goes in the IR in Week 11. He was also dealing with an MCL injury. He had Marcus Johnson dropping passes at the goal line. Um, it was not good. Like, last year was bad. Isaiah Hodgins comes in halfway, and he's our best receiver. Like, that's freaking sad. And Slayton had a decent year, but I think he's going to have one of his better seasons this year. Um, but, you know, looking at... The situation the Giants have right now at receiver, I'm kind of in the same boat that you are. I'm going Isaiah Hodgins. Um, I'm going with Jalen Hyde, obviously, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Wandale, Shepard, and then you had Cole Beasley. I'm on the same boat as you. I think Cole Beasley sneaks onto this roster. There's not that many alternatives. Um, if you're looking at what the Giants can do, like Cole Beasley's primarily a slot guy, but he has experience in the Brian Dable system. So I do believe that they like him in that facet. But at the same time, like, you know, a lot of people, like yesterday, what we said, uh, when it comes to those big body receivers, like some people want the Colin Johnsons of the world just to get at some height, that's where Darren Waller and Daniel Bellinger come into play. Lawrence Cager's a really good receiving tight end. He used to be a receiver, transitioned. Um, so I kind of like what the Giants have done here is that they got their big wide receiver one, you know, de facto wide receiver one in Darren Waller who can stretch the field, you know, dominate on those crossers, outmuscle those cornerbacks or linebackers or safeties, you know, whoever's manning him up. He drags two defenders out of out of position every single time he runs a route. It's going to open up the slot. Like that's I think the slot position is going to be so valuable for us this year because of that. I'm really excited to see um, how they use Waller to give everybody else touches and give everybody else production um, because I think that guys like Wandale specifically, <clears throat> you're looking last year, the majority of his action came in the zero to nine yards from the line of scrimmage. He dominated in the short yardage concepts. That's where I'm looking for him to really make another impact with Darren Waller kind of stretching the field here. You have those boundary speedsters and Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton. You have Paris Campbell out of the slot as well. If you bunch those formations up, and you're a defensive back, and you're trying to pass those guys off, you're trying to communicate as those things are unfolding, and these guys have elite speed running past you, it's going to be really hard to figure out what's happening. Um, it's going to be really hard to figure out how to pass off a guy to you know in a zone coverage system, and you have someone with 4-3 speed blazing by you, and then you have Darren Waller you got to figure out too, and he's going to outmuscle any cornerback that's against him. Um, I- I'm pretty excited to see how the Giants get creative with these playmakers. While we may not have a WR1, you're seeing from teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, a really good tight ends can mask those deficiencies, and it opens up everybody. Like Saquon Barkley, we haven't even touched on him yet in terms of what he does in, uh, in terms of like you know garnering attention from opposing defenses. You have to have two guys. You have to have four, two sets of eyes on Waller and Saquon at all times, right? That leaves you with 1v1 matchups on the outside with Darius Slayton and Jalen Hyatt for the most part um, because those safeties have to be thinking, I got to come down and support the run if it's Saquon. I got to come down and support in coverage if it's Darren Waller. I got to go help the the seams if if Paris Campbell's in there or on those crossing concepts. I got to bite down. The Giants are going to – what I think will happen is we're going to see them really use those crossing concepts to bring those safeties in. So they're going to be biting on those. They're going to be looking at those crossers. They're going to be trying to get down to support. And then you're just going to see those deep posts right where they are or right where they were. And then you're going to see those deep passes for Daniel Jones. I think that we may see 50, 60 attempts from Daniel Jones downfield this year, 20 plus yards. And I think we're going to see a lot of production because all he has to do is launch that thing as high and far as possible. And you know, Jalen Hyatt's going to use those ice skates to get there. 
So, you know, right now I'm really excited about the wide receiver core. I think I'm on the same boat as you. I think Cole Beasley still has some gas left in the tank. I really liked what I saw before he got injured this preseason. And Brian Dable, Joe Shane, they know they can trust him. And he knows how to get first downs. He knows how to show up in big moments. He's experienced. He's not afraid of the light. And I think that's really a great uh, variable that can't, that shouldn't be overlooked. I think he makes this roster, but, you know, definitely, I think it would have gone to Bryce Ford Wheaton if he didn't get injured and was out for the season. Yeah, I think the same. I think Ford Wheaton was fighting his way onto this final roster. Again, I think they wanted to add a little bit more size into this receiving room. Bryce Ford Wheaton being six foot three, he adds that. Plus, he adds speed with four three forty yard dash time. So I think he would have made the roster. He was starting to show that he has some really developable traits during the preseason. But unfortunately, we'll just have to wait on him for two thousand and twenty four. But I'm really excited to see his return next season. But let's talk about these tight ends, Alex. Three tight ends. You kind of just hit on them for a little bit there, mentioning Lawrence Cager the element that he provides in the passing game. I think that Lawrence Cager does make this roster. The Giants hold three tight ends, Waller, Bellinger, and Cager. I I debated going with Tommy Sweeney, but the point that you made there with Cager, the way that he opens up the field, can work as a de facto receiver. And really what sold it for me is Darren Waller, formerly a wide receiver, transitioned into the tight end position. Lawrence Cager did the exact same thing. Waller, an injury-prone player, as we all know, going to be a superstar for us. I I totally believe that, but he does need to stay healthy. But if he doesn't stay healthy having a player with a very similar background and playing style as him that can go into the lineup and do similar things is really important so that's why I'm going with Cager over Sweeney so I think you get Darren Waller Daniel Bellinger and Lawrence Cager as your three tight ends but what are your thoughts on the tight end group uh I mean I really think that so okay Chris Myrick got injured hand injury Tommy Sweeney had a couple okay moments he's with the Buffalo Bills so you know Joe Shane knows him um from that from his time there but I think that Lawrence Cager has fought his way onto this roster. I think Daniel Bellinger, like, that's your primary blocker in the run game. Um, obviously, Darren Waller is your primary receiver. He can block. He's no, he, he's no like, spring. He's not, like, a bad blocker. I'd say he's, like, a maybe average blocker, slightly below average. Uh, but he's fine. He can hold his own. But, again, the Giants are going to be using him, I'd say, 60%, if not 70 plus percent as a receiver whether it's a slot or a boundary guy or releasing off the tight ends position um, I don't think they're gonna have him blocking very often um, I guess you know in running concepts like he will be but you also want to drag those kind of uh, guys that are stacking the box away from that you know they, they you know get those guys outside so we'll see how the Giants kind of scheme that up but I like Lawrence Cager I think that the Giants want as many receiving options as they can get I think we're gonna see a passing attack that is far more prominent than it was last year last year we were just running Saquon into the ground uh, running our backs into the ground and you know this this year we're going to open it up it's going to be a lot more pass heavy and I think that with with that comes a reliance on uh those type of players and Lawrence Cager is a good receiver like objectively he is good in that regard I trust him he had a touchdown last year I believe um I think that that's something that he does very well but you know it's not a bad idea to have another good blocker but again like Tommy Sweeney Chris Myrick, they probably end up on the practice squad if we're being honest so you know send those two guys to the practice squad keep them there I doubt both of them get scooped up and then just in case you need to replace if Bellinger has to miss any time you know knock on wood you can call those one of, one of those guys up who's a little bit better of a run blocker um, and help them there but I, I think I'm on the same boat as you Waller uh, Cager and I'm going with uh, Bellinger of course 
Yep, I, I think it's a solid group for what it's worth. I don't expect the Giants to be playing with three tight ends on the field too often, but two tight end sets, 12 personnel, I think we'll see that quite a bit this season. They're going to want to get Waller and Bellinger on the field pretty much as much as possible. So I'm really excited for this tight end group. I think it's going to be a dynamic duo between Waller and Bellinger. But let's talk about the offensive line, Alex. We know that there are some huge question marks here. Of course, you've got your five starters, Andrew Thomas, Ben Bredesen, John Michael Schmitz, Mark Lewinsky, and Evan Neal. But... The Giants like to hold nine offensive linemen. That's what they did last season. That's what I expect them to do this upcoming season. Who are the four offensive linemen that make it as the backups? Now, we know Izidu is going to make it. He's going to be a de facto starter, right? He's not going to be a full-time starter, but considering the rotation that the Giants love to do on the offensive line, we can expect to see some good, a good amount of playing time out of Izidu this season at left guard, rotating in there with Ben Bredesen, and maybe even at right guard for what it's worth. So, Izidu, that's your sixth offensive lineman. But these next three, Alex, this is where we do have a little bit of a disagreement. I'm going Tyree Phillips, Marcus McCathan, and Jack Anderson, which means I have my guy from the 2020 NFL Draft, Matt Parrott, getting cut here. I know that's a surprise to many long-term viewers and listeners of this show, but with Matt Parrott and his recent performances in this preseason, I feel like he just didn't come to play. He had a golden opportunity right in front of him, and he did not capitalize. And I think that the coaching staff is going to take notice of his lack of a capitalization on that opportunity. And unfortunately, I think it's going to doom him from making this roster. But you have him making the roster. Again, I have Tyree Phillips, McKethan, Jack Anderson making it. I like Phillips and I like Anderson because they have experience already playing on this team. Um, They got extended playing time last year when there were injuries on the offensive line. Uh, For example, with Evan Neal going out, Jack Anderson and Tyree Phillips kind of rotated in there and played. Plus, Phillips and Anderson have the ability to play pretty much anywhere. They, uh, They both play guard, tackle, and swing tackle. So, I like their versatility and I just think that they're a better fit for this offense than Matt Parrott at this point. And then McKethan is going to be your backup developmental right guard who hopefully could take over in a couple of years. But that's my take on the backup offensive lineman. Um, what are you seeing here? And why ultimately did you decide that Matt Parrott deserves that final roster spot? Um, so there's a couple of reasons why I, I'm in agreement with you on the other guys for the most part. I mean, Thomas, obviously, Bredesen, I, you know, definitely making a JMS, Glowinski, Evan Neal, Zudu, um, you know, McKethan, Jack Anderson. But the, the here's my take on um, Matt Parrott. If you look at Tyree Phillips, and let's get one thing straight, guys. Both of them are bad players. They're not. They're, there's a reason they're backups. They're guys that are fringe roster guys, um, or at least like serviceable if you desperately need somebody. Um, Matt Parrott has experience at left tackle and right tackle. I think that Tyree Phillips is predominantly you know featured at right tackle throughout his career. So I don't consider him much of a swing. That's my concern. I don't. If you have Tyree, if you have Tyree Phillips, you're and you put him at left tackle, you're kind of screwed like here i mean matt parrott he's not very good either uh but tyree phillips basically doesn't have any experience at left tackle and that's concerning to me at the very least matt parrott knows how to play left tackle a little bit uh is he good no but i will say this if you look at the first two preseason games against the detroit tigers detroit tigers lions and the carolina panthers um he gave up two pressures in those two games he had two penalties um across 74 snaps now he played 74 snaps against the Jets. He gave up two sacks, six pressures, and had two penalties. He was a lot better in the first two games. Um, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, like, you know, the Jets have a really good pass rush, guys. Like, I, I don't think, you know, you realize their pass rush is legit. So 
and they were putting they were playing with their first stringers in, in that in that game. So he got beat up a lot in the first quarter, but mainly because they had their best players out there, some of their best players. And you know, he's a backup. Like he's going to get destroyed against starters. Like anyone you throw out there, if you throw Tyree Phillips out there, he's getting destroyed. Corey Cunningham, he's already cut. He got destroyed. You know, that's why I'm that's why I'm kind of like I'd rather pair it because he has experience at left tackle and right tackle, but neither of these guys are good. You're screwed if either of your tackles go down. I mean, that's the reality. Vander Thomas goes down like it, that's a season-ending injury uh you know for the Giants. Like that destroys their offense. Um so knock on wood again. Like cannot afford to lose him. Um but at the very least you have a guy that has a little experience. That's why I'm riding with Parrot as the guy that wins out here, but neither of them are good players. I'm I I hope to god neither of them play a single snap this season. That's the best-case scenario. Uh you guys might be disagreeing with me and think Tyree Phillips, I think it's whatever semantics like Either of those guys can make the roster. Either way, we're screwed if either of them are playing. So I think we can agree on that point. Yeah, I think that, you know, pretty much a good round out, uh, round up there on the offensive line. I really do agree with you. If we have any injuries on this offensive line, we are screwed. We don't want to see any of these backup players on the field. Um, if we do, it's going to spell doom for this offense and for Daniel Jones in particular, who's going to get beat up pretty significantly if there is any point this season where Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, and these other starters, John Michael Schmitz as well, are not able to take the field. So let's go ahead and flip over to the defensive side of the ball, though. Alex, 25 on the offense. We both had 25 on the offense making the final 53-man roster. Now we both have 25 on the defense who we think are going to make the roster. Let's go over the defensive line first. Now we're going with both of the interior defensive linemen and the edge rusher defensive line defensive ends here. So you're going to hear Dexter Lawrence. Of course, he's a lock. Leonard Williams is a lock. Ashawn Robinson is a lock. Nacho is a lock. I do think Jordan Riley makes this roster. I think all seven of the Giants draft class um, players make this roster, which is pretty incredible. Usually you'll see at least one to two players get cut. We'll we'll talk about Javarius Owens in a little bit here, but Jordan Riley, one of the two seventh round picks, I think he makes a roster. And of course you have Aziz Ojolari, Kayvon Thibodeau. Those are also locks. I think Jihad Ward is a lock. And then it's really that final edge rusher spot, that final outside linebacker pass rusher. Who's it going to be? Alex, we have a little bit of a disagreement here, but I think that O'Shane Zimenez makes the final 53-man roster. However, I think he was probably cut from the roster within the final, within the following 24 hours. I think what's going to happen here is Oshane Zimenez is going to have that roster spot because they're going to hold on to one extra defensive line spot on this roster, and then they're going to go to the waiver wire, find a player better than Oshane Zimenez, pick him up off the on off the waiver wire, and then just put Oshane Zimenez on the waiver wire. That's how I envision this happening. And also, for what it's worth, maybe the Giants go out there and make another trade. There are some players still available. Julian Okwara from the Detroit Lions is a player that the Giants are reportedly interested in. He's definitely on the trade block because he's on the roster bubble. He's an edge rusher that the Giants can maybe target if they could just trade a maybe another late round draft pick like they did for Isaiah Simmons, acquire Aquara, and then just wave O'Shane Zimenez as the uh, the following corresponding move. So that's my take on the defensive line there, Alex. I have nine defensive linemen. Again, I think most of them are locks, but I do think Jordan Riley makes this roster. And again, I think O'Shane Zimenez makes it and then gets cut pretty much immediately afterwards. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're probably um, onto something there, and I think that's definitely definitely possible. The alternative, which I went with, because I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of if it, it, you can't really go right with either of these guys, unfortunately. The depth at our outside linebacker position is is not good, and um, I think a lot of people can probably acknowledge that. There are some options on the free agent market. There's going to be guys, some guys that get cut. 
Uh, you know, we, we heard about, you know, the Lions pass rusher, um, you know, Julian Okwara as a potential trade candidate. That's someone that could interest the Giants if they want to go in that direction. Um, but I went with Timon Fox. Timon Fox. He is an interesting player, you know, good special teams player, you know, has had some opportunities in the past, had a couple nice plays. I know you guys probably remember that play where he came out of nowhere. Um, they were playing kind of that prevent defense and they had him on the sideline on that like kind of uh, trick play and he came out of nowhere and destroyed uh, whoever it was trying to get that ball upfield. So, you know, that was the notable play by him. But, you know, maybe you go with him because he's a little bit more upsized only a year into the NFL um, in terms of experience. You know, it was him and his 26. We kind of know what he is. He's okay as a as like a pure pass rusher at, at times. He's not much of a run stopper. He's kind of bad in that regard. He did play a lot on special teams last year as well, but Fox is a good special teams player, high effort. You know, maybe they want to go in that direction and see what he has to offer um, in the future. But again, he could also get cut. Like, this is a very real possibility where Zimenez, Fox, like one of those guys, like if, if either of them make it, they get cut and the Giants go in a different direction for a player with a little bit more upside, maybe bring in a veteran um, at, a, at a cheaper cost. There's going to be a lot of cuts, guys. Like, a lot of veterans, unexpected players every single season get released. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants went out and signed one of those guys that have a little bit more experience, a little bit more potential, um, and maybe some more proven potential, so a proven commodity. So I, I feel like right now, Fox, Zimenez, take your pick. I don't think that either of them, it's the, the differences are marginal at best, in my opinion. I think that's pretty fair. I mean, listen, it is marginal differences there. And ultimately, even if it is Fox that makes the roster over Zimenez, I just think that player gets waived and they bring in some new talent regardless. They need to add more talent to that position. It's not good enough. Listen, I love Kayvon Thibodeau. I love Aziz Ojolari. I think they're going to be a dynamic pass rushing duo. But behind them, I have very little faith in those guys who can be the backups and the rotational pass rushers. So the Giants are going to have to look to add more talent. Keep in mind, Laquara had three sacks against the Giants and they were able to scout him with those joint practices and an extended period. So I do think Aquara could be a serious target for the Giants once we get into the Tuesday deadline. So let's go over the linebackers and then we'll fly through the defensive backs as well, Alex. But at linebacker, I think they're going to hold six. Typically NFL teams hold seven, but considering they're going to have an extra receiver on the roster spot, I think they balance that out with one less inside linebacker because they just made that trade for Isaiah Simmons, who of course is a lock to make the roster alongside Bobby Okereke, Micah McFadden, and Darian Beavers. Now the other two players that I think are going to make the roster, Carter Coughlin, which might surprise some people, but you can go Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown, either or here. Both of them are just athletic, toolsy, pass-rushing inside linebackers who contribute on special teams. So it's really whoever the Giants are more confident in as a special teams contributor, whether that's Coughlin or Cam Brown. And it might be Cam Brown, but Cam Brown has some missed tackles, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Either one of those guys, I think, makes it just on a special teams basis really there. So Deontay Johnson is the other linebacker that I have here. I don't know too much about Deontay Johnson. He hasn't really stood out to me this summer, but I know that Brian Dable and his coaching staff likes Deontay Johnson, and he has a bit of athleticism. Again, another player who can contribute on special teams. So those are my six linebackers. Alex, I think you have the same group as me, but what is your take on this group? Because it's pretty thin, right? We don't have a whole lot of depth there. Obviously, Isaiah Simmons helps, right? You have Bobby Okereke. That's your leading man. That's your starter. But opposite him, Micah McFadden, Darian Beavers. We know that McFadden's going to be the number two linebacker. Beavers is going to rotate in there based on the matchup, based on the personnel and the sub package. And then Isaiah Simmons is going to be your versatile inside linebacker who lines up, pass rushes from the edge, can play a bit of safety in the slide. He can do it all. He's depth at inside linebacker. But really, when you're looking at those three guys, Okereke, McFadden, Beavers, Simmons being the guy that plays everywhere, behind those other three guys, there's really not much talent here. Carter Coughlin, you don't want to bank on him. Deontay Johnson, you don't want to bank on him either. So do you have a a certain level of concern with this unit going into this regular season? Because I know I do. 
Um, I wouldn't call it concern. I would say that Okereke is probably the best linebacker we've had in a decade. Micah McFadden's gotten some decent potential. I know that Wink Martindale really likes him. Beavers has some nice potential. Simmons is obviously a freak athlete. He's been training with the inside linebackers since he's been, you know, traded for. Um, they're not going to use him as a pure pass rusher. They're going to really get him involved in a multitude of different ways. So I do like Simmons as a piece that could grow into a bigger role this year. I think McFadden starts the season, but you're going to see a lot of Simmons on third downs. They may even throw him in there with those two linebackers. Um, I like Carter Coffin actually he made some nice plays this preseason um he got into the backfield a couple times and he's a really good special teams player i think that carter coughlin makes this roster because he has value like he brings value to the special teams he's a fine player that can plug and play um you know he's not going to be terrible he'll be average maybe at best um but he can get the job done he knows where to be he's a smart player and he has a lot of effort he's a good leader uh, you know I, I think that he doesn't get enough respect sometimes carter coughlin has looked pretty solid uh, in my opinion just watching him over the past three games so i think he makes his team deontay johnson you said, you know, Brian Dable likes him. I could see him being another like Ximenez kind of situation where, like, they cut him a couple days later if a veteran linebacker shakes free from, you know, another team and they bring him in and just to compete, offer some experience on the back end. Like, Deontay Johnson probably doesn't develop into, into anything much, but maybe they want to just go with him and, and, and continue his development during the regular season. Maybe they put him on the practice squad to see how he fares there and they bring in a veteran uh, to fill that roster spot. I could also see that kind of unfolding. Uh, but I, I think that we're a lot thinner at, like, reserve offensive lineman than we are linebacker. In my opinion, I think Simmons really covers up a lot of those problems because his potential is so high. I think that the Giants, I trust their coaching staff a lot. If there's anyone that's going to get the most out of a player like Simmons, it's Brian Dable, it's Jerome Henderson and the DB's coach, it's some of those linebacker coaches. It's it's all those coaches. Like they're they're top notch. They're cream of the crop, guys. Like if if there's anywhere he's going to succeed, it's going to be here in my personal opinion. Um but I do like Carter Coffin as I mentioned. I think Beavers just kind of getting his feet wet coming off that rookie torn ACL situation and then McFadden apparently Wink Martindale says he liked a lot what he's seen from him especially this offseason in terms of how he's grown how he's developed maybe on the mental side of things so I still think that McFadden starts the year but Simmons he's he's right there man he's on the tail I think that if he starts to take some big steps forward and make some plays you saw what he did against Aaron Rodgers as a blitzer I think that there's there's a role for Simmons on this team and there's there's one that he can make a really big impact here I agree with you. I think that there is a big role for Isaiah Simmons somewhere to be carved out. Does he have that big role just yet? No, but I think after a few weeks into this regular season, expect to see his playing time increase week by week as he continues to really get to get to know the defense better and gel with his teammates and into this defensive lineup um, and aggressive scheme that Wink Martindale is imploring. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Simmons develops in the system, but this is a player that I'm definitely excited for this upcoming season. But let's go over the secondary Alex now. Now we're up to 43 men that we've gone over so far. Here's the final 10 or 10 plus three special teamers. So we're not there quite yet, but 10 defensive backs here to go over. Now at the cornerback positions, we know Adoree Jackson, Deontay Banks, and Trey Hawkins. Those are your starting outside cornerbacks. They are locks, but who's behind them? Now that's a big question mark because the Giants have a lot of safeties that they're not going to want to let go of. So they might have to make a sacrifice here and be a little bit more thin at the outside cornerback spot and roll with some safeties. But what I will say, the fact that Adoree Jackson is open to moving into the slot and has been practicing that, that really does open up a lot of opportunities for the Giants here. They don't have to have too many outside cornerbacks on their roster. They can hold some extra guys in the slot alongside Jackson because he kind of moves in and out. They have a good amount of depth here, but really where the depth in the secondary lies is at the safety spot. I think Xavier McKinney, Jason Pinnock, Dane Belton, Javarius Owens, and maybe even Bobby McCain makes this roster. Now, I know you were saying before we started recording that Bobby McCain has a concussion. He might get waived on an injury designation. 
confirmation, but that hasn't happened yet. So I wonder, maybe he does make the roster. Maybe they feel like he's worth holding on to, or maybe they try to trade him. I know that there's been a little bit of speculation around that as well. So we'll see what happens there. But I also think that Cordell Fly, and surprisingly, I do believe Darnay Holmes is going to make this roster. The Giants are not cap strapped like they once were. They don't need the money that we once thought they might need. Um, so I don't think that they have to cut Darnay Holmes to free up some cap space. And I think that he's been good enough. He hasn't been great, but he's been good enough in the preseason to earn a roster spot. Unfortunately, I didn't have Amani over Warrior making the roster, but I could see him making it over Bobby McCain. But I know that you also have a different safety somewhere in your 10 defensive backfield. So who are you seeing here in the in the secondary that you think is going to make the roster? Yeah, I mean, I agree with your first points, obviously. Like, I'm really excited to see these rookie at boundary corners with uh, DeAndre Biggs and Trey Hawkins. Like, that's just, I mean, it, you couldn't have drawn up a better script if you tried trying to get these cornerbacks on a cheaper contract for the future, especially Dory going into a contract season. Uh, McKinney, obviously, a lock. Jason Pinnock, a lock. Dane Belton, they really like Dane Belton. He's taken some big steps forward. Last year, the, the broken clavicle he sustained uh, before the season started that hurt him all year long. Like he's said it publicly. Like I was in some substantial pain every time I made a tackle. Um, being that he's healthy now and taking steps forward, I feel really confident about him. Javarius Owens has been really solid this uh, preseason. He's made some nice tackles. Um, you know, obviously a, a late round, seventh round draft pick out of Houston. He's a, he's a former captain. Like he's a guy that has really nice developmental traits, and I like him. Cordell Flott. You know, I'm curious to see what they do there. Like Cordell Flott, maybe they put him on the outside, maybe they put him on the inside. He's a guy that they probably want to continue his development inside and out um, and then of course you have uh, Darnay Holmes as you mentioned they can save 2.7 million dollars there how good is Darnay Holmes that he's worth 2.7 million dollars if I'm the Giants I'm going to Darnay and I'm saying hey buddy like we could probably cut you and go sign someone else that offers pretty similar value uh, at a veteran minimum cost like either you take the pay cut or you go test your luck elsewhere and you're going to have to accept um, probably a veteran minimum deal anyway at another at a, on another team so I, I do think that they're going to try and reduce that cap hit. If they manage to pull it off, he will stay. If he says no, he wants to go test his luck elsewhere, I think that you're probably going to see him leave. But that's, you know, that's my projection. It could They could definitely keep him on that cap hit. I think that they take a similar strategy with Darius Slayton or what, what they did with Darius Slayton last year. So there is a lot of, they can do to save a couple bucks. But the last guy I have on the list is Alex Cook. You guys probably don't know much about him. This is one of Anthony's guys. Alex Cook, you know, undrafted free agent. Um, he has been all over the field. Whenever I watch him, man, he is tackling. He's making plays. He looks decent in coverage. He has high effort. Um, you're just one of those guys that stands out. And you're like, you know, that guy made some nice plays. He made some nice moments happen. And I think that that's, um, that goes a long way. You know, as an undrafted player, uh, you know, maybe the Giants put him on the practice squad. Totally possible they could kind of go with they can go with a Jamon Green undrafted free agent they could go with a couple other guys they've already let go of Darren Evans Zion Gilbert I know had the hamstring injury so he may be waived with an injury settlement we'll see what happens there uh, but right now I kind of feel like um, Alex Cook has made a low-key impact where he could be a surprise guy to make this roster but if the Giants see another team release a guy with some veteran experience and you know they think Alex Cook can stick on the practice squad I wouldn't be surprised if he was one of those guys that made it and then they cut him um, or they you know designated him to the practice squad and then brought in someone with more experience that could help out on a veteran minimum deal i could see that as an alternative totally uh moving forward so you know what do you think what are you thinking about that i know alex cook is your guy maybe not the most high probability he makes the roster but i think that there, there might be some surprises and i think that that might be one of them 
Alex Cook could be a surprise player to make the roster. I think he could be. And also, for what it's worth, let's see what happens with Javarius Owens. I think he makes the roster, but I know he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Not sure how the Giants are feeling about that. If that's a week-to-week thing and they feel like he could be ready for week one, then they might just go ahead and put him on the final 53. But if it's something that they think will linger longer, they could make a tough decision, place him on the um, PUP, place him on the IR. We'll see. So it's kind of like Owens or Cook at this point, which is why I went with Owens. I like him a little bit more. I think he's more established. But Guys, don't sleep on Alex Cook. Undrafted player. I think he played for Washington. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's been all over the place, like you said, Alex, and he's been really making an impact in the running game. A lot of sound tackling from Alex Cook, which is something that you really like to see. He can be a box safety and definitely a player that the Giants are going to want to develop. So even if he doesn't make the final 53-man roster, yes, they are going to try their damnedest to stash him on their practice squad and continue to develop this player. I really like Alex Cook, guys. Keep an eye on him. If you haven't heard much about him, go ahead, go on YouTube, go on Twitter, wherever. Go find some clips of this guy. You will walk away impressed. He has been flashing a lot of potential this summer and this preseason. So, Alex, I didn't have him on my final 53. Alex Cook, that is. But I do think that it's a bold decision by you to place him on the final 53-man roster. And low-key, I'm hoping that it happens. I am rooting for this kid. I do really, really like him and appreciate the game that he brings to the Giants' defense. But man, that pretty much wraps us one up. Of course, we have our three special teamers as well. Kicker Graham Gano, duh. Jamie Gillen, punter. Don't feel super confident in him, but not sure what the Giants' options are. And of course, Casey Kreider as the long snapper. We interviewed him years ago. Really like him. He's a former pro bowler. Um, a great long snapper for the Giants. Just some, some consistency there. We don't need to worry about the long snapper position. But Alex, any closing thoughts on this final 53-man roster before we wrap up here? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we talked about the offensive line before. Dan Duggan of The Athletic just reported that they released Jack Anderson. Um, so, you know, that's... Uh, a d- so if you guys have made it 43 minutes into the episode, Jack Anderson is not on this team. I know it's Big surprise, but that definitely indicates to me they're going to be looking to bring in some other players. Like, you know, we saw the Giants trade for Ben Bredesen a couple years back, and he's turned into a serviceable starter. Like, they could go in that direction. They could trade a mid-round pick or a late-round pick, or maybe they move a position of strength um, to a team that may need some support. Um could happen. We'll see what happens there, but I do think that the Giants are not done building out this offensive line. We could see an additional move, but I just wanted to throw that in there so you guys knew. Yep, good thing to throw in there. I did have him on my final 53 when we were discussing the offensive line earlier, and then I did see that tweet that he was waived. So I guess I'm already uh, wrong on one account here, but Jack Anderson, not somebody that we're going to seriously miss. I think that he probably does land on the practice squad, but I like the point that you make. The Giants will probably be looking for offensive line reinforcements regardless whether they're making a trade for a veteran or if they're trying to sign somebody. Seems like something else has happened Big here, news. Alex. Please fill nailed me in. Nailed this. Freaking nailed this. Darnay Holmes has taken a pay cut to stay with the Giants. Freaking Freaking nailed that. Absolutely freaking <laughs> nice. nailed that. <laughs> There we go. And listen, for what it's worth, instant reaction on news, I'm thrilled about it. I'm happy. I love Darnay Holmes as a person, and I like him as a player, and I still think that there's something to develop here. So happy to see Darnay Holmes take that pay cut, stay with the Giants. Maybe he can have a career resurgence similar to the one that Darius Slayton had on a pay cut last season. That's what I'll be hoping for. But that pretty much wraps this one up. Make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one, and let's go Giants.